Welcome to Vibrant Potential. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Frickman. Today's guest is a good friend of mine that I met in what feels like a lifetime ago when I was in chiropractic school. Dr. Pierce was already a chiropractor, and back then we used to share a ride from the Twin Cities where I was going to school about seven hours to Chicago where we were taking some seminars on the weekends. Even back then, when I was in chiropractic school, I couldn't get enough to learn. And so about three out of four weekends every month, I would sign up for additional seminars. I'd be on anything from functional neurology, applied kinesiology, really anything else I thought would round out my education as a doctor. Mike really wanted to share that experience with you. So I'm going to play a minute or so clip from a conversation Dr. Pierce and I were having after we recorded the show. I just want, I want the public to get in, to really understand that, that going to medical school, going to dental school, going to chiropractic school, these things are, are normal human events. And sometimes people see doctors on a pedestal and I just wanted to have you share with them, you know, you know, we were like mice in a cage going to stay in the hotel with six people. (laughs) Were you, were you on the trip when, um, I know Brian Garrity was there and Christine Hess was there and I, I, I think you were there on this one, but one time we went and we we weren't sure where we were going to stay, and and we ended up like I don't I have no na- idea what the name of it was, but Brian and I we got there really late at night on must have been Friday night, and then the seminar was Saturday Sunday, and we got there pretty late, and we Brian and I walked in and we said hey. Uh, we just want to get a room with a couple of beds. We're we're probably going to check out tomorrow. We you know we don't even know. And they they quoted us an hourly rate. Oh and, God. Yeah, and we were like, uh, this might not be the place we want to stay. Actually, <laughs> I don't I don't remember if if we if I was on that one. But there were so many to Chicago for our training, and you know um, that's what it's like being a student. You're broke. You're six people in a car or six people in a hotel room, and and um, you know you're you're trying to take some of the best classes in the world, and yeah, yeah. you know you're trying to eat as cheaply as possible, and yep. and you know everybody's trying to pay for gas together, and yeah, <laughs> it was right. it was fun, but it was it was um, just a fun story. I thought you might want to tell them. Yeah, about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Pierce is a great guy, and we go way back. But more importantly to you, he's into some really cool stuff right now. He's helping to pioneer what I believe is going to be the future of top-notch healthcare. It goes right along with what Dr. Shaman and I are doing with Habitat Retreats, but in a different and yet very cool way. He really gets into it about 20 minutes into the conversation. If you want, you can check out the show notes at drchrisfrickman.com slash immersion care. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Vibrant Potential. We provide you with everything you need to know to overcome stress, fatigue, and chronic health challenges, as well as optimizing your performance in fitness, relationship, and business. We use integrative health solutions and functional medicine strategies, including brain-based approaches, inspired fitness tips, emotional intelligence coaching, and spiritual growth techniques, so you can live the life you want, connect deeply with others, and fulfill your vibrant potential. Your host is functional medicine expert, genetic biohacker, and triathlon coach, Dr. Chris Frickman. 
Dr. Pierce, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Today, I really wanted to get into something that you're already and becoming more of, it sounds like an expert in, is uh, different levels of care. And so the reason that I found out that you were even into this is because I was at a seminar recently that you were that you were giving. You had mentioned at one point during the seminar, you'd started talking about these three different levels of care. And I'm wondering if just for the listeners, if you can give that like one or two minute little thing about inpatient versus outpatient and, and the in-between. Well, sure. Thanks. Um, I want to thank you for letting me on here. This is a this is a great show. I've heard your your episodes, and and I'm I'm honored to be here. Um, what I was talking about before was the uh, the idea that we have uh, uh, currently two ways of seeing doctors. You've got an outpatient model and an inpatient model. The inpatient model is a hospital, and most people with chronic illness that we treat that are holistic oriented don't really benefit from that. They don't need IVs. Well, I mean, they certainly can benefit from IVs, but they don't need a crash cart. They don't need um, you know, an intensive care unit. They need other kinds of care, and they certainly need intensive involvement, but not medically defined intensive care. Um, they're not usually about to die, and they're not usually involved in massive surgery. So being in a hospital setting is not the greatest place for them, uh, people with these chronic illnesses. Um, and then the other one, which is outpatient care, is something that I think has reached a um, a zenith where it's it's at the it's it's at the top of as far as it can go, and I've I've observed that from a lot of my students and my my learners that are in my classes. Um, I've been teaching for twenty years and and practicing, and I've noticed that doctors are coming up to me and saying my patients are so sick that I can't really care for them in an outpatient setting anymore. They're saying to me, you know, I've got these people that are really so sick. They've got things that are so wrong with them that um, I, I think I know how to fix them, but they just can't get in often enough or they can't be seen often enough or they're so unstable that I've, while I've got the skills to help them, I don't have the facility to help them. Mm -hmm. And so these doctors are telling me, hey, I need a, a place where I can really immerse my patients, a, a third space where I can immerse my patients. I can observe them all day long. I can watch them. I can control their environment. I can cook for them. I can help them avoid a lot of stressors and a lot of stimuli that they shouldn't. I can teach them the things that they need and the skills that they need because they can't cook. They can't eat. They can't navigate through life. They can't order food from a menu correctly. They can't avoid stressors. Um, they just need more help in managing their life temporarily until they can learn those skills and go off home and, um, and apply those skills that they learn at some kind of, of retreat center. Nice. And so, I mean, I heard this and I was like, wow, I've actually never heard anyone put it that way, but that's really apropos in my professional life right now, because as I mentioned to you, I have started this thing called Habitat Retreats where uh, we are we are literally bringing people, funny enough, out to Colorado. Now, uh, I actually live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but you live out there by uh, Denver. And um, the Habitat Retreats that we're doing are in Allen's Park and like the Estes Park, kind of mm -hmm. above Boulder type of area. Oh, it's beautiful up there. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's super fun. You know, mountain, pristine air, all that stuff. So it's uh, it's really fun. And the healing is intense. It is the most fun, most rewarding time I've had professionally because I get to bring people, like you said, it's like we've spent these years, right? Like honing, like I really want to be good. I, I did not just go through chiropractic school and then, um, wow, okay, cool. I can crack a neck now. Um, I'm just going to open up a clinic and start cracking necks, see what happens. You know, like that is not what happened for me, right? Like uh, you and I are cut of the same cloth a little bit that way. 
where uh, we want to be able to do, we want to be able to help the, you know, the 10% of people that aren't getting help uh, at, um, you know, through normal means. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah, I think you've hit on it. It's, it's really true. Chiropractic is so much more than adjusting the spine. It involves a, a holistic entire approach to medicine and very much like naturopathic medicine or even the, 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 what modern medicine is trying to do out in Arizona with them, um, you know, with all the different new schools and the different new approaches of naturopathic medicine. We have an entire comprehensive approach and we cannot be limited to just spinal adjustments. That is just so archaic. Right, right, right. So uh, a couple of the big tools that, that you and I are both into are functional medicine, what, what we call functional medicine, and then what we call functional neurology. And, um, you know, essentially, if you don't know what that is at all, uh, functional neurology, I always just tell people it's about looking at the brain and the nervous system from a functional approach, meaning we're not necessarily doing um, spec scans and, and things like that, although we could. Uh, but we're but we're using uh, sort of bedside uh, what Dr. Carrick always calls bedside uh, diagnostics, where we're watching them walk, we're looking at their eye movements, things like that, to assess the brain and the nervous system, and then we're developing things that uh, that treatments that can help them right there, usually, if possible, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's functional neurology i think in a in a nutshell that's that's kind of like how i like to explain it and and functional medicine is kind of the same thing except for using diet and and uh, nutritional supplements and things like that um so i'd like to talk a little bit about how you do this in in your clinic uh, so i want to come back to the immersion piece but you are uh, you're someone that a lot of doctors are referring to. So even people that are specializing in functional medicine, whether they're chiros, NDs, whatever, um, they a lot of these people help a ton of people. And then every once in a while, there's someone that's like, "Hey, Dr. Pierce, this person comes in, and I'm I'm doing the stuff that that I think I should be doing, but wow, they're they're uh, this person is so fragile, maybe that that they're falling apart in here." I know that we're on the right track, but I can't quite, I can't quite get it or something. And so, um, oh, there goes my phone. So sorry about that. <laughs> and so uh, I'm wondering if you can, if you can kind of uh, lay out for the listeners when someone might come to you. And I, I just am asking this because I want to lay the, the backbone for people so that they understand what you're doing in practice already. Sure. Well, I think the first thing to say is that I started out right out of school in a retreat center, which is very rare. In the United States, there are very few retreat centers that do doctor-patient relationships and, and that, that have clinics and that, that take on very ill people. Most of the retreat centers and spas are either aesthetic or weight loss or addiction-based or very specific to one population. The place that I worked in was a 2,000-acre facility with 100 beds and a commercial kitchen and 30 staff members, and I ultimately became the medical director. And so I have years of experience working with very, very ill people that are chronically ill but don't necessarily fit in the medical model for treatment. And so um, how I've done that in the outpatient world is, is, is just exactly what you've said. I, I've, com I've combined two disciplines that are um, functional neurology and metabolic medicine or, or functional medicine and into, into an outpatient thing. And certainly there's, more, there's people that know way more than I do, but my job is to simply take those two things. So I tell patients that we have an electrical side of the practice and a, and a chemical side of the practice. The electrical side of the practice is where we look at all the circuits in the brain that we can study and figure out which ones are overfiring or underfiring. And then we give you specific exercises for your brain to make that get better, to make that heal. 
And that's functional neurology, and they get that. And then about the chemical side is I say that you have this chemical soup in your body, and we have to balance it. So first we have to measure it with lab tests and uh, surveys and symptoms and physical exams and bedside um, signs and symptoms. And we put all that together, which is just good medicine, and we figure out what's wrong with your chemistry. And then we try to balance that using diet, which means things that we add and things that we remove from your diet. We take away things and we add things, which isn't always fun, but it, it's very helpful. And then we also use supplementation, not nutritional supplementation. And of course, exercise. And don't forget mental health, but I'm not a mental health professional. I'm a chiropractic neurologist. So my job is brain rehab and nerve rehab. So I don't do counseling, but I certainly advise counseling all the time. So kind of a third arm or a ghost arm of our care, which we don't do under me, but we certainly refer to as the mental health. You've got to have counseling. You've got to have EMDR therapy or other therapies. You've got to have um, co cognitive behavioral therapy. These kinds of things are extremely necessary in cases of the brain. So it's a part that is important, but I don't perform it. Gotcha. Can we talk for just a couple of minutes about your a very interesting piece of background? Gosh, there's there's actually a lot of pieces of interesting background with you and, and several of which I know and probably some of which I don't. But one that I want to expose for the listeners is your cooking background. Can you, <laughs> can you talk about that? Because that, that is sure. really unique. I, I could ask that more often than anything because in 2012, I kind of took a year almost off and I went to cooking school at Bowman College in Boulder. And it was just a wonderful experience. I had um, I had worked with... with um, as a young person, as, as a child, I worked with my mom and my dad who cooked for me because I was sick. So when I was seven, I was sick and they cooked all kinds of different foods for me and gave an alternative diet for me because the doctors couldn't help me. So that was my first experience when I was seven. And so growing up, I had that experience of my parents cooking alternative things because I couldn't handle uh, wheat and dairy and corn and sugar at the time and artificial colors and flavors and preserves. I couldn't handle that stuff. And so um, that was my first experience. Then fast forward to um, the center after I graduated from chiropractic school and I was working at, at our center, um, we had chefs that were rotating in and helping us with our commercial kitchen and helping us with our patients. And so as the medical director, it was my job to work with all our staff and figure out what the, the patients could eat or could not eat and devise menus. And then the chefs would cook that. So I got a chance to cook and learn from them and get a piecemeal education in food. And I loved it. But for 20 years, I didn't get a chance to follow that up. And I'd read all kinds of books and I'd watch all kinds of TV shows. And I was just kind of a foodie nut. And, um, and so I found out about a program that had a gluten-free, dairy-free substitution in addition to being a, a culinary school. And, and that was Bowman College led by Ed Bowman, who I work with. And I think he's just a wonderful human being and a great writer. He's got a set of great cookbooks, thousands and thousands of recipes that are alternative. And his program taught how to substitute gluten and dairy and, 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 you know, butter and corn and any, anything that you're allergic to, you can find a way to substitute it with good cooking techniques. And Ed is just a master of those things. So I took 2012 to do that program and attend that program. And now I'm faculty there and I absolutely love it. And it changed, it changed my ability to take care of patients because I found that about a third of patients really need help from not just a nutritionist, but a chef. Gotcha. What's the difference between a nutritionist and a chef? Well, nutritionists usually get about 18 months of education, very intensive on how to create menus and uh, recipes. And then um, sometimes when patients go to nutritionists, and I, I employ nutritionists, the patients are left going, I still don't quite know what to do. 
I still don't know how to make, I don't know what jicama is and I don't know how to make it taste good and I don't know whether I should cook it or not and I don't know how to substitute this for that and I found a recipe but it's not quite exactly fitting with my foods. So what do I do? So people need many more recipes than they're getting from nutritionists. They need 20, 30, 40 recipes at a time and they need classes in how to cook, how to use a knife, how to use a saute pan, uh, you know, how to make flavors blend together. Um, they need classes in this stuff. And so um, the chef comes in and teaches them how to make flavors and how to combine ingredients and how to measure things and how to know as something's cooking, whether it's going right or it's going downhill. And they also teach you how to taste properly and understand what you're tasting. So that's the difference between a nutritionist and a, and a natural chef. Nice. Okay. And they work well together, I found. We're trying to do a program where nutritionists and chefs work together with patients because right now, chefs don't go into doctor's offices, and I think that should change. Right now, when um, a, doctor, a patient sees somebody like you, they come and they see Dr. Frickman, and they get a, a extensive lab test and interpretation and an explanation of what's wrong with them and what to do. And then they see the nutritionist, and the nutritionist would explain to them how to do it. And then my model would be that a chef comes in too and spends maybe a half an hour teaching them personally what they need to do and giving them some recipes that they've prepped ahead of time. And then uh, lastly, they take a class with multiple patients with that chef too. That would be my new model for an outpatient um, clinic. Interesting. Why the why those two phases? Why the phase where they're they're working directly with the chef and then the class? Because I think what happens is they talk to the doctor about the overall view of what's going on with their immune system and their gut. Then they talk with the nutritionist about what to eat and how to um, how, what menus look like and what your plate's going to look like generally, and then uh, some recipes. And then the chef comes in and really, really fleshes out each of the recipes and the nuances of how to cook those recipes. There needs to be a few minutes, uh, about a half an hour, where the chef talks specifically with that patient about their restrictions. Because each patient may have multiple restrictions, like no eggs, no dairy, no, no gluten of any kind, no grain. That's a very, very extensive uh, restriction, and it's very common for autoimmune patients. And um, I think that the chef needs to show the, the person some photographs and some possible recipes a little bit more in detail about what they're going to have to be doing. And, and then, of course, a class that would help them. But I think that people need a personal time with a chef for about a half an hour and, 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 and to focus on their own restrictions, especially the very ill autoimmune patients. Got it. So just a little bit more transition between just even what the nutritionist is saying about their specific, hey, looks like you've got this IgG component where you're not supposed to be eating these eggs or what have you. Mm -hmm. And the nutritionist also say that, but hey, we're going to have the chef come in and actually sort of flesh that out for you and yeah. kind of more tell you what that means. Whereas yeah. the class isn't going to be specific to each person's needs. Yeah, yeah. The doctor would the, the doctor would ask the chef to sign a permission slip, um, and, or the patient to sign a permission slip that the chef can see the patient's record. The doctor would then give the chef the list of antibodies that the patient has and and food sensitivities, and say, "Okay, my patient can't eat these things. Chef, can you go prepare some recipes or go modify some recipes for this very restricted person?" The chef goes and does that. Um, in between seeing the doctor and seeing the patient. And it doesn't take a chef very long to do that. And then they show up to the patient's meeting prepared with maybe five or 10 or 20 recipes and shows the patient, here's some recipes that have been done before that, that are modified and that can work for you. And let's go over how they don't use eggs or they don't use butter or they don't use um, any grain whatsoever. 
And um, these are some of the, t the tactics that you're going to have to learn about. You're going to have to learn about lecithin. You're going to have to learn about vinegar and lemon. You're going to have to learn about how to use a hot pan. You're going to have to use um, just certain little tricks of the trade. Um, there are certain thickeners that we can use that are, um, there's a whole world of thickeners to talk about that we can't do today. But there's a whole world of thickeners that you may or may not be able to use in lieu of those ingredients. So, um, I mean, at the center, the way we would do this is, is an immersion model. You'd get this in a couple of days. You'd get your lab test and you'd go to a class and everybody would talk about leaky gut syndrome and then everybody would herd into the kitchen and then you'd all cook together and you'd talk about how to cook and boom, you've learned it in a couple of days. But you've learned it because you were in classes. In an outpatient model, it has to be a lot more structured than, than that because doctors just don't have kitchens. Doctors just don't have giant classrooms. Doctors just don't have the space and the time to do all this. So they've got to, they've got to parse it down into individual patient contact visits that are short and affordable for their clinic. And they can do that. Um, that's, that's what I'm suggesting. Awesome. So what, tell me a little bit more about, can you talk about the project that you have going on through uh, fitforlife.org and, and kind of like the vision, like you, you have a pretty grand vision there. So can you yeah. share about that? Well, certainly some, some, um, some very influential and, and, um, and attentive parents who are also successful and wealthy business people have approached me and, and started a nonprofit 501c3 corporation called Fit for Life. Not, not, it's not a product company. There is another uh, similarly named company has no relation to ours. Um, but this is a nonprofit that does not sell um, a supplemental product. And uh, its goal is to, is to reestablish a, a retreat center model like I used to have. And so what we're doing right now is raising money and building a team and a board of directors. We have a beautiful board of directors and board of advisors in Denver. And um, our desire is to build our first um, campus, which is a retreat center in, in uh, Colorado, and then to build others throughout the rest of the, of the United States and other countries um, in order to show people that they can come and stay for anywhere from three days to three months or three years um, and work on anything from addiction to any, any chronic illness that is um, related to the brain. Our, our real um, claim to fame is that we, we relate these things to the brain. So um, if you have a brain-related chronic illness, and that's kind of a, a sloppy boundary right now, but we're still working on that, you can come to, to this idea. And, and we're not, it's not built yet. It's not, it's not constructed yet. We're working on acquiring land and, and constructing. And this is clearly a $100 million project or more. This is, not a, this is not a small endeavor. And we've got software engineers. We've got master accountants. We've got business tycoons. We've got people who are just far beyond my acumen. tycoon that's a word yeah. that you don't hear too often <laughs> yes it's, it's it's probably the wrong word but i mean i'm trying to create a picture here where you can realize that these people are just masters of, of industry and commerce um you know far beyond my my skill level but but my skill level is that i've led and run for years a center like this and very few people have done this very few clinicians have ever done this and um it's not a you know it's not a beauty spa it's not a weight loss spa it's a it's a, um, and those are, those are honorable things, but this is a, um, dive in, get your hands dirty, figure out your life and get working. I mean, we're not, people don't have much free time when they come to a place like this. They're programmed from seven 30 in the morning till 10 at night. They're, they're in group, they're in private counseling, they're in exercise, they're in yoga, they've got personal instruction, private instruction, group instruction. They're in the kitchen cooking, they're making juices, they're in the garden growing food, they're doing yoga, they're doing martial arts, they're doing uh, I mean, we've done self-defense and, you know, we've done family counseling. I mean, everything that you can think of that's holistic, we throw at these people in a very loving way and, um, mm -hmm. and, and approach that. So um, it's, it's the place to go. I mean, the buck stops here. 
This is where you go for chronic illness. If you've got a problem and you need to face it, this is the place that you would go. And, and we have plans to get every kind of laboratory service, every kind of imaging service on campus so that we'll be able to take care of everything on campus. This will, this will take care of people from the elderly that have difficulty with degenerative brain problems like Alzheimer's disease, children with disorders like um, uh, autism and, and um, the, the, the neurobehavioral spectrum disorders. This will be something that's useful for adults and, and athletes with brain injury and concussion. Everything that has to do with the brain and scanning of the brain and, and, and rehabilitation of the brain any condition that is, relates to the brain as, as the world of autoimmunity is starting to, to understand. Um, if it's brain, diet, and mental health, um, uh, you know, it'll be there. We, we even have plans for a business incubator for new products, new, um, new, uh, new applications, new materials that are used to help people in their, their road to health because we're trying to help people be independent. We, we know that people that come meaning to a center... Meaning a business incubator, meaning like you want to help facilitate people that are building tools for people that will help bring this health that they find at your center back to their life? Maybe. Now, now there might is, be, there might go... be, No, you're right. You're right. Um, Boulder is a very popular place for business incubators, and it's just a place where people that have already got experience in business say, hey, I'd like to help other um, entrepreneurs with a new idea. Now, there's two ways that could happen. It could be a person that comes to our center and says, hey, I need a new life. I need to get out of my addiction. I need to start a new company. I need to do something different. And those patients decide that they want to do something new. I've seen that before. Another model is people that really are not coming to the center for any physical reason or mental reason just say, I, I've got a health idea. I've got a product that's an application or I've got a product that's a, that's a, um, a device or I've got a supplement or I've got some new thing that I want to develop and I want to come bring it to the center and we have a separate incubator area where we can work on business. That person may not be there for a, a, an ailment. They, not, may, they may not be there working on some issue. They may just have a great idea and we've got a team of people that have, have already made millions of dollars in that industry and they're willing to help. Hmm, interesting. One, to me, one of the upsides of what I'm doing with Habitat Retreats is it's, you, it's boutique. It's, uh, it's anywhere from one person to 20 people at the upper end. Mm -hmm. And each retreat is designed differently. It's designed uniquely for either that specific person or that specific group, or it's designed around hey, we're going to help couples or, you know, we're going to do a, a specific thing this week. Mm -hmm. So that's a little, I can't think of a better word than boutique experience. Oh, yeah. And your experience that you're going to be providing when this is open is different. And it has, it probably loses a little bit of that boutiqueness, but it, it has some different strengths that I can't provide. There's nothing $100 million about Habitat Retreats. So, <laughs> so one of the things you want to do is, is you're going to have what, did you say like a hundred beds maybe? I mean, I, I know it's not even built yet or anything, but well, you're our, kind of thinking of maybe... Our our past facility had a hundred beds and, mm -hmm. and in the future, what I'd like to do is, um, is create anything from, um, you know, like suites for families to stay in where mm -hmm. there's a suite. So you, you can bring an entire family and work on an issue. Um, that's very common. Um, and then there's also dormitories for younger people or, or people that are single and solo or, um, or uh, lower lower income, we'd like to provide different levels of service for different people, so that people can all, all people can be served. We have a a nonprofit component so that we can pay for people that are um, unable to pay, so that we can take care of them. We've got a big plan for veterans, a massive plan for veterans, and um, 
Um, so the idea is that there should be at least three levels, the, the, the poorest, the middle class, and, and of course the very wealthy. Um, and so we should be able to serve everyone at different, different capacities and be able to provide, um, services that would, that would help everybody. Now, um, our model would be very large and we found a lot of synergy by mixing people together. We found that our workshops worked very well by saying, okay, uh, if you're coming to group on at seven o'clock on a, on a Tuesday night, um, you might sit in group with um, a person who's trying to lose weight, who's obese and has heart disease, another person who has autoimmune disease, uh, two or three autoimmune diseases, a third person who has uh, been sexually abused and, and is trying to overcome that, a fourth person who has um, uh, uh, Asperger's, a, a fifth person who has, so completely different problems. And so our facility would, would, would very likely over time triage our patients and our, our guests and get them to the point where we would refer a particular group of people to Habitat Retreats and say, hey, this Habitat Retreats does a really good job of taking care of specifically, say, couples workshops. And so um, we'll, re we'll refer you to uh, Colorado to Habitat Retreats and have you uh, enroll in a very specific couples retreat where everybody you talk to and everybody that you spend time with on that retreat, all 20 other guests are just there for the same thing. And that can be very good too. Um, but our, um, our, our, our system is kind of for the overwhelmed clinician. So when the overwhelmed clinician who runs a clinic says, man, this patient is just too difficult for my clinic, they send them to us, we get them stabilized, and we send them back. Yeah, right on. Okay. And people may be able to stay there for a long time, you said. Oh, yes. Okay. We had people, but so, some people that stayed, um, I, I remember a mother-daughter pair that stayed at our center for a couple of years. And they Holy helped, cow. Okay. Yeah, they, they helped the daughter overcome addiction to heroin. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. It reminds me of a place. Um, God, I can't remember the name of it. I'm working on my nurse practitioner license right now. And oh, right. I was I was doing my RN at, at, a, at a school down in uh, Palm Beach, Florida, actually. And I, I did some of my clinical hours, only a few really, like a handful, like maybe a dozen hours I did at this, gosh, what did they call it? I want to say it's sort of like the Ronald McDonald House, but it's not that. Right. It, there's a there's a hospital in West Palm Beach where there's a there's a real a world renowned surgeon that works on uh, limb lengthening procedures, and he's literally one of, if not the leading expert in the world on this particular issue, this kind of limb limb lengthening surgery. And where is that again? Uh, it's down in West Palm Beach. Um, I'm trying to remember if the hospital. Oh man, it might have been called St. Mary's that the that the hospital that it was associated with. But there's an actual name of this house, and um, I apologize to the listeners because I can't remember the name, uh, Doctor Pierce. I'm sure I can get you the name of it if, sure, if it's sure. something that you want. But um, the name the name escapes me, but. Uh, it was a really neat system because it's it was much smaller than what you're talking about. There was probably, I'm guessing, 12 to 20 uh, beds there, and they they were just expanding this past year, so it's going to be bigger. But man, it was so rewarding to do some of those uh, nursing clinical hours down there and meet these people from around the world. And yeah. there was, and it was really for children. Um, because it's all about for in this type of procedure, it's about the development the of these bones and the growth plates and all these things. And so there were toddlers there, and um, there were people from 
literally from uh, New Zealand. Um, I spoke with um, some people from Germany, Israel. I mean, and then there was like some people that were from like Naples or something, you know I mean? So, yeah. so there were people from closer by too. These people were from all over the place and they would typically stay there for a number of months, you know, like they might call it 16 weeks or something like that. And they were largely recovering, but then they got to see the surgeon like once a week or once every other week. It's nothing functional medicine. It's not as intense as what you're talking about in one way. And in another way, it's more intense because it's it's surgery. And, and so it's really interesting. They're doing these, these little, the surgeon would go in and turn some screws or they'd even have the parents like, okay, turn the screw like an eighth of a, eighth of a uh, turn every other day or something like that. And they would have these external, some of them would be external, some would be internal that they would move with magnets. Wow, it's just, it was really fascinating. It was a really fascinating experience. And they they largely operated like you're talking about, about, hey, if people can pay, awesome. And some people can't pay. And some people literally, uh, these. I remember this family from Germany, the parents basically took like, I don't know if they called it a sabbatical or... Of course, in Europe, but there's a little bit more of a, I don't even know if this is, I'm not a politician, I don't know if this is even the right word, but a little more so, uh, socialist kind of approach to life in my, from my perception. And it was like, the companies were like, okay, you have to go take care of your, your daughter. Um, great. Like, go ahead and just go to Florida for four months. And their healthcare system sort of picked up the bill for all of that stuff. But then there was other people that, um, you know, that, that couldn't pay. And, and there was a lot of nonprofit stuff going on all the time with them too. So what, was it really the, neat. Was it the Paley Institute? Paley? No, it wasn't. Okay. It wasn't an institute. It was like a, the something house. Um, okay. yeah, I'll have to, and if, if I find it, I'll, I'll put it on the show notes too, just in case people yeah. are interested. Although it's a, it's a little bit of a tangent, but it's no, just no, this, this yeah. kind of immersion type of, facility um and just it's just so great to see people that that care you you have to care so much for the client slash patient slash person that that is that is coming to stay with you to to bother putting something like this together mm. you know what i mean i mean well yeah for I, I i guess i don't know about your model but but for habitat retreats i i'm in love with with it but I can't make as much money that way as I can from just doing, uh, you know, like online courses or, or something like that. Like there's so many because there's so much overhead with the retreat oh, that, yeah. you know, even though they're they're you know, they're, they're spendy. I mean, people have to spend some money for them. The bulk of that is going towards all this different overhead of paying this, you know, gourmet chef and, you know, to provide all these foods for your specific sensitivities and on and on and on and i love being a part of this circle though because people the people here are just they're at the top of their game clinically and they're just also caring and and i i definitely include you in on that well you know you're right it's a labor of love if you want to do this kind of work um you certainly other ways to make more money but um the um the value is um imagine you know if you're if you're a patient just imagine that if Imagine this through the eyes of a doctor. If I could sit and watch a certain group of people all day for days 
and I could see how they interact with each other. I could see how they act after food. I could ask them about their bowel movements and their sleep and their headaches and their life and just everything. I could see them interact with each other. I could see them in group. I could see them in class and I could observe them and I could measure them and I could check them several times a day. That is incredibly valuable to be able to say to a person, let me observe you all throughout an entire day and, and see the circadian rhythms of how you are in the morning and how you are at night. And, um, and, and you can learn so much more about a patient by this immersion model in two days than you can from two years of treating them in an outpatient model where they come into your office and you see them and they check in at your front desk and they come into your treatment room and they sit down and you see them for, you know, if you're lucky, you're a, you're a, you're a psychologist and you see them for an hour. If you're a, any other kind of doctor, you see them for less than an hour. And, you know, with the immersion model, you see your patient and you understand who they are. You can smell them. You can hear them. This is incredibly valuable information. Oh, yeah. It's so great. And I and I love the, uh, I guess, cooperation. I'm trying to think of the other word. Um, there's another word that's escaping me. But collaboration, I guess, with yeah. other with other healthcare practitioners from around the world um, because they're able to send people in because they just simply don't have a model. It's not even uh, a matter of, of skill level, but they don't have that model set up where they can, they can interact with the patient on an ongoing day in day out kind of, kind of way. And we get to really provide a place for healing at, in an intense, transformative type of way, and then we get to collaborate with the, the with a physician, perhaps, on the other end. I mean, that's, I think, the best way to do it, and uh, some people that have come to us don't even have doctors, and then we end up trying to help them find a, a good doctor that can help support them, or a health coach, or whatever the whatever the thing is that they need it uh, when they get home. So, uh, and you at your place, I, we haven't currently developed this for habitat retreats, but in your model, I, my understanding is, is you're going to actually have an allowance where doc, the doctor could, the referring doctor can come and actually what, what would you call it? Shadow or actually help with treatments or, well, they would attend. Um, the, if you look at the hospital model, the hospital model says that a doctor who has admitting privileges to a hospital, and let's say that they're a, in an outpatient clinic, a, a doctor's clinic, and they see a patient and they say, wow, my patient's really sick. They, if they have admission privileges, they can admit their patient to the hospital, and then they can go to the hospital and do rounds on their patient. Well, that doesn't quite fit with what holistic medicine is, but a parallel version of that would be if you're an outpatient doctor like you are in Minnesota, and you said, hey, I want to send a patient who's really unstable to your, your center in, in Colorado, or ultimately when we build one in Minneapolis, um, um, I'd like to come with them. I'd like to attend with them. I'm going to send a patient or two or three, and I'm going to attend for a couple of days out of their week, or I'm going to attend for a week myself, and I'm going to bring my family, and I'm going to be part of the program, and I'm also going to be part of the team attending, because there, there comes this beautiful blur that in a workshop setting, everybody's working on themselves. It's not just the doctors and it's not just the patients. Everybody's working on themselves and everybody's growing. You'll see that the, the, the healing team undergoes just as much, if not more, transformation than the patients. Yeah, that's awesome. I would love to know if you have a top health tip for, for people. 
One other thing that we're doing is gathering data. We, we want to gather a lot of data, and we're having PhDs do research at the facility, and I just want to interject that real quick. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, just, and just say that. And that, that there's no other way to get the psychologists and the physical doctors and all the other kinds of disciplines to talk together than if they all are in the same place watching the patients, you know, and interacting with them all day. But anyway, to answer your question, top health tip, I think, um, I think the most important thing to do is get back in the kitchen. I really think that people just need to get back in the kitchen. Um, the, the other most common thing that I tell people is they've got to read labels and they've got to they've got to ask better questions when they order off a menu at a restaurant. People are terrible at ordering off a menu. They don't ask the right questions. They don't know how to get the right answers. And and we'll provide some of those services in the future. But ask more questions at restaurants. Read labels. Get back in the kitchen and experiment. Learn where your weaknesses are. Um, and um, and remember that the best chefs in the world they use recipes. They don't just freehand everything. They use recipes that other people have worked out because, you know, um, you know that that's the difference between a professional and a and a and a and a you know a, a layperson is is good chefs do use recipes. They don't always freehand things and make things themselves. So maybe that's too much, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, okay. So get back in the kitchen and read labels. Those are those are good tips. As far as getting back in the kitchen, I'm going to ask a follow up question with that. Almost everyone that is coming to your private practice right now or my private practice or, you know, one of these kinds of retreats or, or anything, most people can benefit from incorporating more whole foods into their diet, especially if, if they can find out what their uh, food sensitivities are and, and take those out and such. But, but even without knowing that, if somebody's listening and they, they want to incorporate more whole foods into their diet, some people will just they'll start doing it and they'll find that it's kind of fun. It can almost be kind of meditative. It's a way that you can spend time with your partner if you have one. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, it can be a social thing. It can be a creative outlet. There's, there's, there can be a lot of fun things about it. And I definitely run into people that are, that just say, Hey, I don't cook. And so I'm wondering if you have any tips or, or thoughts, you know, or anything like that for those people. Sure. And I, I, just because I'm interested in food doesn't mean that other people have to be interested in food. And I, I understand that because there's things that I'm not interested in too. So I'll say this. Um, there are personal chefs and private chefs that will cook for you and allow you to freeze food for a week at a time. And I would encourage people that don't understand what a private chef does. Their idea is that a private chef comes into your house and makes a gourmet meal and it costs you 500 bucks and, and it's for an anniversary, a special occasion, and they might serve two to eight people and you might have some leftovers if you're lucky and that's the model. That's not the only way that you can utilize a private chef. A private chef or a personal chef could be um, basically your private caterer in that they can come into your home, they can use your food and prepare your food and freeze it and put it in the refrigerator and give you a week or two or three weeks worth of food in your freezer and your fridge. Um, well, not, not, not three weeks worth of food in your fridge, but, we'll keep that <laughs> one. but, um, but the, but they can, they can do food safety. But and, one and week probably. Things. Yeah. One week in your fridge and, and probably a month in your freezer and they can come in and just take over your house for a weekend. You don't even have to be there. Mm-hmm. They can come over, come in and, and they can buy the food for you. They can get the recipes, they can do it and they can do that economically. Because chefs are trained at, at getting food at wholesale prices. We're, we are trained at, at purchasing that. And, and, and when we have a license for catering, we can get access to very good quality food at a lower price. And people don't realize that chefs don't buy food at retail. Chefs buy food at wholesale. So if you contract with a chef that knows what they're doing, 
you can get a personal chef who can cook for your family and get you lots and lots of food and you don't have to deal with it. You pop it in the microwave, or not that I'm a lover of microwaves, but it's better than other things. You can pop it on the stove, pop it in the microwave, pop it and just get it going. If you're not a foodie and you're not interested in food and you just want to get food that's safe for you and your family that you really don't ever want to cook, use a private chef, use a personal chef and use them in that way for a, a large set of meals, not just one or two. All right, man, that uh, rounds out a really great health tip, I think. Uh, I, yeah, I know, of course, there's going to be different prices and people can price shop and stuff. But I, I know a guy who's an amazing chef. He's familiar with he's familiar with like gluten free and, and some of these things. Of course, that's what you're going to want is someone that has some idea what they're what they're doing around your certain food sensitivities. Uh, but the guy that I know, I mean, I think he'll go in. Uh, he has several people. Well, he'll go once a week. And he'll probably goes if you're comfortable with it. You can be there if you want, but if you're comfortable with it, he'll go there when you're at work. You know, let himself in. You know, he has to go shopping for an hour or whatever it is now mm -hmm. or two, and mm -hmm. then he lets himself into your house with your permission. And he and he works for I don't know two, three, four hours depending on you know what you what you work out with them. Mm -hmm. And it's like a couple hundred bucks or something. I mean, yes, it's, it's not it, it's not something for. I'm not saying it's like no money, but it's not something that's like reserved for the ultra wealthy. Yeah. Personal and private chefs are affordable. Um, you can, nice. you can find them through Bowman college. They've got, uh, three locations in Northern California and one in Boulder and, um, um, you know, nutrition therapy Institute in, in Denver, they have uh, a natural chef program as well. And there are others, but you can use those resources to find natural chefs and they're affordable. Very nice. I will put some kind of a link on there, uh, probably to that Bowman School in Colorado where, where you're teaching and where you learned how to do some of that culinary great stuff. Uh, and then also I'll try to, because people are listening nationally, I'm not sure if I have a resource for everyone. I, I know a couple of people in, in a couple of cities, but I'll, I'll try to put a link about a personal chef there and, and maybe it's a place to start. Dr. Pierce, thank you for coming on the show, brother. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, you bet. Take care. Visit drchrisfrickman.com for more cutting-edge content, including nutrition and detoxification advice, unique fitness videos, and more. 